there's never enough time to do all the nothing you want. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks, and I'm your host, Ramya Amadhan. The host, sorry, the quote from the start of our episode today is that by Bill Watterson, and you know, it's very true because it's the winter, and I remembered that this is the time of year that we should be doing a lot of nothing. The days are shorter, but the nights seem to feel long and very, very long. So lots of excuses and opportunities to do nothing at all and cancel on social plans and stay home and read books and watch TV and just relax, maybe nap. But somehow the holidays, the festivities, the chatter, the everything, the Christmas music even makes you feel like time is still flying but that's only until winter solstice so a couple more days and then we'll be on the other side again let's take a glance at the CELA home page this is the center for equitable library access at celalibrary.ca and the three featured titles up there right now are Black Waterfalls by Ozma Zianit Khan. This is a police procedural fiction, which we pause or played a while back, so you can check that episode out. Artificial Divide by Robert Kinjet. And this is an anthology, which we haven't explored on the show yet, but maybe, hopefully, to come. And the last one up there, Love from Mecca to Medina by S.K. Ali. And this is a family stories, a contemporary romance also another nice hunker down and listen type of book in this weather and climate check it out out at celalibrary.ca we're checking in with an avid reader today and she is the president of pal reading services she's also speaking to the importance of that organization and her love for audiobooks that's danielle mclaughlin and she's coming up in a second on ami audiobook review This is AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. And we're moving on to pause or play. We haven't heard about this title uh, in our introduction segment because it's not one of the featured titles on CELA, the Center for Equitable Library Access. However, you can find it at celalibrary.ca. It's available in human narration. And it's called, brace yourselves, Towards a Conceptual... No. Towards a Contextual Psychology of Disabilism, Routledge Advantages of Disability Studies. This is by Brian Watermeyer, and it was released in 2012. So keep that in mind as we go through this synopsis. About 10 years ago, this was released. In recent years, disability studies has been driven by a model of disability which focuses on the social and economic oppression of disabled people. Although an important counterbalance to a pathologizing model, the social model risks presenting an impoverished and disembodied view of disability, one that ignores the psychological nature of oppression and its effects. This innovative work argues that a psychological framework of disability is an essential part of developing a more cohesive disability movement. Brian Watermeyer introduces a new 
integrated approach using psychoanalysis to tackle the problem of conceptualizing psychological process of life with disabilism. Psychoanalytic ideas are applied to social responses to impairment, making sense of discrimination in its many forms, as well as problems in disability politics and research. The perspective explores individual psychological experiences whilst retaining a rigorous critique of social forces of oppression. The argument shows how it's possible to theorize the psychological processes and impressions of discriminatory society without pathologizing disadvantaged individuals, drawing on sociology, social anthropology, psychology, and psychoanalysis, as well as clinical material. This work shapes a view of disabled subjectivity, which is embodied internal and political, presenting a range of conceptual ideas which describe psychological dynamics and predicaments concerning disabled people in an exclusionary and prejudiced world. This volume is an important new contribution, now 10 years old, to the literature. Okay, so as we digest exactly what this brings to us and the topics it explores, let's go around the table and find out who would pause and who would play. Nazreen, over to you first as tradition. Pause or play? Now, normally I would like to breeze through a book. I don't know if you know this about me, but I don't like to think too much when I'm at peace, whether it's uh, doing any sort of activity. Like when it when I'm listening to a book, it's nice to just, what do you call it? Thoughtless mindless thinking? Mindless reading, yeah. Mindless reading, you know? Um, but Rom-com this stuff. book, exactly. But this book really caught my attention. I know it seems intimidating, but at the same time, it's so interesting how it goes in depth about disabilism, the psychology of it, the sociology of it. I really am so interested to learn more about that and um go and dive into it so Hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna say play okay yeah i mean learning is is definitely the underlined bold italicized word here because there's a ton Mm. that uh whether you have any exposure to disability yourself or to this kind of learning or you're in education um etc there's something being brought to the table here, and it's got a lot of substance. Danielle, pause or play? Oh, I think I'd play it as well as Nazreen. I'm, it sounds very interesting. As you know, I'm uh, very interested in rights-based learning and education, and a lot of that has a psychological component. Um, you know, what is ableism? What is disabilism? Uh, it sounds like this would delve into some of those topics. And also, you know, it also sounds like it has some ideas on what can we do about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would be very interested to hear, you know, the philosophy uh, that the author is is using to analyze the psychology uh, of, of able or disabilism and, um, you know, the, the ways in which uh, people with disabilities have been oppressed and how people... Um, you know, they, they justify it. You know, how, how, how does the, the large community, the community at large, justify the oppression of people with disabilities? Um, I'm, I would definitely give this one a play to Ramya. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I'm curious because I, in my personal life, at least, we've been having more of these conversations that have to do with the emotional, the psychological, the generational impact of how disability is viewed and and how uh, we continue to talk about it. But I'm curious on your end if the time makes a difference. The fact that this was released 10 years ago, do you think that we would have already you know heard about these challenges i think we will will have heard about the challenges that doesn't mean we've done anything about them. sure <laughs> you know i was actually reading um something uh that was written uh about the the role of what was then the soviet union uh, but they this person the writer referred to it as russia and how you can't trust russia and i thought this sounds like it was written yesterday and it was written sure. seven, 70 years ago and i'm thinking you know some things don't change and i i would you know, the language might be different. We might talk about ableism instead of disableism. Mm. Um, you know, we might we might use different uh, kind of code words for psychological principles. My guess is that the the context remains the same. So yes, I, I you know you you make allowances for things that are dated, particularly language. But I think that you know you can you can always learn and. Do we learn from the past? This might help us decide whether we do or not. Yeah. Is history yet again repeating itself? Yeah. yeah. Definitely an interesting one. And if you want to check it out yourself, uh, it's called Towards a Con- Contextual Psychology of Disabilism, Routledge Advantages, Routledge Advances in Disability Studies by Brian Watermeyer, released in 2012, available at celalibrary.ca, among many other places, I'm sure. And now, as we've already been doing, we're checking in with an avid audiobook listener, book reader, opening up the space to review, discuss, recommend, browse, conceptualize, and reminisce on audiobooks. And we're welcoming in for the first time Danielle McLaughlin, who It's not the first time we're hearing of her or from her because she is one of the weekly voices on Kelly and Company, soon to be Kelly and Rumia, on AMI for her Know Your Rights segment. And she's also the president and passionate volunteer of PAL Reading Services, which I want to talk about with you in a second, Danielle. But first of all, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very honored to have been invited. I can't wait to hear what you people are up to and also uh, brag about PAL reading services. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course. There's always space to brag about PAL. And the other thing I wanted to say was it's so funny because uh, we, you and I talk books a lot. You've talked books many times on Kelly and Company, uh, but it's not always like the ratio doesn't always match as to how many times we get people on this show to talk audiobooks and how much reading and listening they actually do. So if that was the case, you'd be on every week, right? (laughs) Well, I'm trying to average about a book a week um, because Wow. It's 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 pleasurable, but as Nasreen has mentioned before, sometimes you just want that bit of uh, you know not very involved bit of reading where you sit back and just let it wash over you, and sometimes you yeah. really want an in depth experience that a book can give you. So for I sure. like I like both. Hey, and this quote that we picked for today's episode kind of. Uh, gives me a bit of that vibe too. So discuss this a little bit with me, Danielle, because I'm just curious. It's it says, 
there's never enough time to do all the nothing you want. And this is by Bill Watterson. So I'm curious because it's winter now and you living in the greater Toronto area in your Toronto winters. Do you do a lot of nothing? You know, it's hard. Year? It's hard to fit it in. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> so you agree completely. I totally agree. I, you know, that I thought that when I retired six years ago that I would be left with these sort of huge gaps of time. And somehow that really hasn't happened there. You know, maybe it's my I'm sure it's my fault, um, you know, because I find things that <laughs> either I want to do or that I think need things need to be alone. done. Yeah. And, and then I really think gosh, that's fun. I think I'll do that again. <laughs> and then, yeah. I think, but what about that part where I was just going to sit by the window and look, you know, <laughs> and feel the sunshine come in? Well, I, I can always do that another day, right? So I, you I, can. Yeah. You can. <laughs> and yeah, reading books and these kind of not involved reading, as you and Nazreen pointed out, are nice ways to, to embrace some of that nothing. But then, you know, as we said, PAL reading services, uh, I think that PAL fits perfectly in the realm of the kinds of beautiful things we talk about here on AMI Audiobook Review. So tell us a little bit about the organization, the initiatives that they do, and uh, how you're involved and how much you love it. Okay, I will. Well, the mission uh, of PAL Reading is to provide, upon request, free audio recorded versions of print material, which give persons with vision impairments or other disabilities access to lifelong learning choices. Um, I am a volunteer as well as the president of the board of directors. And I have to tell you that part of um, my taking up my time when I should be doing nothing um, has <laughs> been the enormous pleasure of going into the studio and recording books I never would have thought to read myself. So the all of the recordings are done by human beings. Um, I'm very fond of human beings. I, I have to say that I, I have a bit of a, uh, a prejudice against um, machine read books. They, they just don't do it for me. I, uh -huh. I really do like, you know, real life humans do, doing that, not computer generated ones. Um, and you know, the thing is that we have uh, just such a wide variety of materials that have been brought to PAL. And, you know, while it's not a very big organization, there are only two uh, paid staff people and a whole raft of volunteers who are members of the board of directors like I am and who are people who read, um, people who just, you know, who, who do some of the other kinds of things that, that you know, not-for-profits need to have done. But most of the funding comes from private donors. There has been a grant from the City of Toronto. Um, we were basically Toronto-focused, but uh, because uh, the pandemic really required meetings to be held online, um, we've reached out a little bit farther uh, across the province, which is very nice. Um, but we, you know, we have private donors who are also foundations. So that's, you know, that's been been very helpful. And when people learn about PAL, um, they often learn about PAL because they're looking to have something read that they can't get on CELA because we don't duplicate CELA's mm -hmm. um, purposes or, you know, they can't they can't get through another uh, 
source where, where a human being reads the book. What kinds of books have you read that, that you can think of at the top of your head that are interesting to uh, ref- reflect on? Well, I read a novel written in mathematical formulae. Um, and I have to say that my reading of math has improved enormously <laughs> since I started at PAL. And so is my understanding. I've read um, a, quite a bit of uh, philosophy of physics, um, which is, you know, I, they keep handing me the scientific stuff. I, I'm not entirely sure why, but I also have you read... You know exactly where to take the <laughs> Yeah, I, they, I, I think that they're taking their anger out on me or something. Right. But, <laughs> but it turns out that as I'm reading this stuff, I'm learning so much. And I, I imagine the person for whom I'm reading it, enjoying it. And I, they, we've had a client... In, in past years who had a collection of some fairly old books that, you know, certainly were never uh, recorded uh, um, and are not accessible uh, in, really in, in any fashion. So while reading it, I'm aware that I'm, you know, I'm giving somebody access to something that he cherished before losing his his sight, before losing his, his vision, and now he can have it back again. and. Mm-hmm. That that makes me feel very very happy, and you know, on a rare occasion I get to meet the clients at an annual general meeting, for example, and then we can talk about the books, and and that's just such a a treat, you know. You know, it's a treat reading the narrator of a book that you love. Honestly, yes, of course it would be right. Like we've we've we talk narrators on the show once a month here, and um, it's like. We always talk about the fantasy of meeting our favorite narrators or like, oh, what are they going to read next? That kind of thing. And so you're you're popular oh if you're being <laughs> met by clients. And then, uh, like you said, that love of a book being transferred to uh, someone personally having read it for you is also very beautiful. So well, that's lovely. It's a Thank huge you for pleasure. Some of that with us. Thank you. Now. How much do you listen, <laughs> aside from reading the ones you do? <laughs> Spotlight time. How um, much do you listen to content uh, in the form of audio? So that's like podcasts or audiobook listening or any other kind of audio entertainment. I do listen from time to time. Um, because I'm sighted, I usually do my reading, you know, in, in paper format. Um, if I'm traveling, I love listening to narrated books uh, while I'm driving or in the car. Mm-hmm. And that's that's wh- where I do most of my listening. Um, I, my, my eyes are bigger than my tummy. <laughs> so I will go into the library and, and pick up, uh, you know, a, a recorded book and think, oh, 10 discs, I can listen to that in no time. Well, no, you can't. No. <laughs> you <know? laughs> can you even... Uh... Uh, speed up the ones on discs? Like uh, not on, on the car. <laughs> I oh. don't think so. I think you can oh. probably... Fall uh, behind. Yeah, that's right. I, I think they need to, yeah. But <laughs> sometimes, you know, some of them, one of my favorite uh, authors who reads his own work is David Sedaris. And I don't know if you've heard any of his books, but he's extremely funny. And his timing is so good, you kind of wouldn't want to speed him up too much, right. you know. So I, I, I do recommend if anybody is a fan of David Sedaris, he narrates all his own books. So that's excellent. definitely worth a listen. Fantastic. And have you converted other people? Like through your work, obviously, you're meeting people all the time who do listen to audiobooks, but anyone in your own life who you know you were the one who've introduced them to audiobooks or something along those lines. Hmm. 
I, I think that there are some holdouts in my family. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, conversions and process. Yeah. As as long as I can get it in extremely large font, I'm going to read it on my my Kobo or my <laughs> my you know my e-reader, and I'm I'm good. And and besides, I don't have time to listen to it, you know that sort uh-huh. of thing. But. I, I, well, we'll get you back this time next year and find out how <laughs> exactly. that's Exactly. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> we believe in you. Thank we you. We need more guests on the show. Okay, so. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you have a recommendation for us. Now, is this something you're currently reading right now or something that you just love? I really love this writer. I finished uh, reading uh, this particular book um, maybe two months ago and then went on to read three more books by the same author because I really enjoyed her writing. Um, The book that I'm going to speak about is called Olive Kitteridge, and it's by Elizabeth Strout. Uh, This book won a Pulitzer Prize for literature in uh, 2008, I believe. She has written um, subsequent books that involve the same characters who are in this book, um, so the, it, the, Olive Again is a book about the same character. There's one called My Name is Lucy Barton, uh, another called The Burgess Boys. Um, it all takes place in a small town in Maine. And it's the book, Olive Kittredge, is a kind of group of linked short stories. So it's perfect if you, you know, if you want to to just listen to one chapter before you go to sleep at night, um, you haven't you, you haven't cut yourself off. You can listen to a nec- the next chapter, um, you know, the next day if you like, and um, enjoy it just as much. the The characters have, have, have they they live in a very sort of commonplace uh, small town community, but things happen, and the character Olive Kittredge, who who uh, stars in it shall we say is not a nice woman she uh she was a grade seven math teacher and i mean i don't know if you remember your math teachers in middle school but they weren't always the nicest people in the world and olive certainly isn't she's very opinionated um grumpy uh she's not that kind uh unless she decides to be. And and she suddenly startles people by reaching out with great kindness um, to people who she encounters for unexpected reasons. She has a problematic relationship with her husband and and with her son. Her feelings get hurt very easily. And you think for somebody who's kind of gruff and basically grumpy that that wouldn't be the case, But, but it actually is. And she reminds me of people I've known in my own life um, who are, you know, on the surface, very tough and underneath not so tough, very, you know, tender, in fact. Peel the onion. Mm -hmm. Really, very, very much like that. Um, The writer, you know, gives you this wonderful picture. So, you know, you can you, you can imagine what the town looks like. You can imagine what the people are like uh, because her descriptions are so clear, which is something I I really enjoy. Um, she she it takes place on the coast of Maine, um, a small coastal town called Crosby. I'm not sure whether Crosby actually exists or if she, I think she's invented it for the purposes of these books. And there are people who come to live in the town, and quite a few more who really want nothing more than to leave the town because it's it's a small town and they want to live in a you know, uh, a, a livelier place or a bigger city. 
and and you get this interaction of people. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a play called Our Town. Um, back in, in the day, high school uh, classes or high school drama clubs would put this play on. Um, it's it, it's by Thornton Wilder. It's a wonderful, very American play, and it it just has is a bunch of conversations of people who've died, and they're all there. It takes place in a a cemetery, and mm-hmm. you you start hearing about all the different people who are in the cemetery and how they interacted when they were alive and what their lives were like and you know what happened. And this book kind of reminds me of that. It it's you know all of the things that are good about America, um, you know, the, the, the whole sense of um, opportunity of people, you know, choosing to live a life and then going about it as suits them best of all. Um, it's not wildly political, uh, which, you know, it does have some politics involved, but the, the politics are very much the politics of a very small town and not national or international mm-hmm. politics. Which is very refreshing to think about it in is. the kind of climate we were living in right now. So true, Rumi. I mean, yeah. sometimes you just need a relief from that, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. And yet, you know, it's not fully taking everything and anything out of context. It's not a fantasy, yeah. um, but it's just a different way of feeling or remembering, uh, as you say, a, a small town life. Danielle, we'll pause right there but thank you so much for joining us on this episode of audiobook review and i'm sure we'll get you back in future so you keep reading i shall and thank you so (laughs) much for this wonderful opportunity take care you can find the uh, title and author in our show notes for today's podcast episode that was danielle mclaughlin catch her weekly on kelly and rumia launching january 9 2023 on ami and until the next episode of ami audiobook review happy audiobook listening The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.